Welcome back to another wonderful, wonder, wonderful episode of the Culture of Safety. Wonder, wonderful. Wonder, wonderful. How's it going, Matt? I'm good, man. How are you? Uh, I'm doing good. Doing real good. Uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful Saturday. We're going to go out and we're going to hit up the beach this weekend. It's super crazy hot. So, yeah. Trying to avoid all that like the plague. Is it? I don't even know. I feel like it's been pretty cool the last couple of days. It has days. been really cool these past couple of days, but it's going to spike up to 108. And then, yeah, it's going to get crazy for the rest of the week. So When I can drive here with my windows down in the morning, <sighs> it's not nice. too bad. But when I, when I wake up in the morning and I have to have the AC blasting in my car already, it's not a good sign. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, uh, when I worked down south uh, for a consulting business, uh, it was 106 at like 8 o'clock in the morning. I was like, Oh, this is going to be a crappy day. <laughs> it's already going to be a bad day. Um, well, one of the things I want to get off first is I know that we are having some technical issues with Apple Podcasts, so we're, we're working on fixing those guys. I know there's a couple of episodes that we we posted and we thought they were good, but they're saying that they're unavailable when you try to download them, so we're working to get that fixed. It's some kind of a techno, technical issue on their side. But um, today's topic, we're going to be talking about uh, building your team. We're going to be talking about earning trust. One of the big things in all all business, all businesses dealt with uh, or is built on trust, right? You go to a company, you go to some kind of a service. The reason why you go with them is because you trust them, right? You're going to give them your money and you're hopefully going to get a, a good quality service. And typically whenever, you know, that trust is betrayed, that's when you see a lot of people getting upset. And, you know, that's when the Karens typically come out and start yelling at everybody. <laughs> but... You know, I think this is a topic that's really important to me because I've seen I've been on different teams and I know you have too, Matt, where you have a good team and the team trusts each other and you you have a really good foundation. You guys work together very well and and you can focus on you can focus on the problems. That makes sense. Yeah, that you makes know? sense. Um, versus you work in a team where there's distrust in there. Right. There may be one or two team members or your manager or. Or whatever it is, there's some kind of distrust within the team. It it pretty much breaks down communication, and there's a lot of a lot of different problems in there. So I think as start, as soon as you start getting to that 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 role of being a somewhat manager supervisor, um, anybody with managerial skills, you're gonna have to learn how to build and earn trust with your team, because if you don't, then guess what? Your team is just gonna fall apart, and you guys are gonna start infighting. And and what ends up happening is as you guys are fighting, you guys aren't focusing on the real problems. Uh, we kind of alluded to a little bit of this last episode on, you know, like the safety circle, you know, creating a safe space for your team. I know like, every time I hear that, I'm like, why do I use that stupid word? Your safety circle is there for your team to be able to make mistakes and stuff like that. But whenever trust doesn't come in, that becomes a huge problem. So, like, what are some some scenarios that you've worked in to where you either 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 side where you built trust or, you know, you just distrusted cer certain individuals, maybe in or out of your team? Because when I say team, it could be different teams. It could be your safety mm -hmm. team or it could be your management team or it could be, you know, a different department, that kind of stuff. All types. Right. I think like <clears throat> like you said, uh, you're constantly trying to make sure that the trust is there within whatever the team is that you're doing. And um, I've seen where a lot of times uh, you can lose that very quickly. Yeah. It, it, uh, so for some people, all it takes is, you know, one one thing, one one thing that you forget, one thing that you mistake. And then you, it's like, have you? I'm sure you've heard the analogy of um, withdrawals and deposits. 
Yeah, like, that's my favorite. That's my favorite analogies. It's like a bank. You the more you put in, exactly. You know, so it's like you you have to constantly be making deposits. Like, yeah, uh, which are like you know following through on what you said or being like anything that yeah. would make you like seem more trustworthy to a person. Yes. And sometimes it might take 10, 15, 20, 30 deposits, you know, just to start getting that trust. But you, you'd make one withdrawal one withdrawal, and you just <laughs> lost all 30 deposits. Like, it's like when you were a kid, you had like $20 in the bank and you're like, yeah, I got a lot of money. And then all of a sudden you spent 18 bucks and like, now I have no money. Yeah. And on one thing, on one thing. <laughs> and it took you and you were getting like a dollar a week or you something. You got that, you got that power ranger that had like the head that would flip into the, <laughs> It was like it was like the like Jason, and then you flip the head, and then it was like a it was like morph. You know what I'm talking about? I know about. what you're talking about. Those are old school. Heck yeah. <laughs> Anyways, that's kind of what that's one of the things I wanted to make sure we we hit on today was because I, I we use that analogy a lot um, in some of the leadership training that I do. Oh yeah, and I really like it. It's like just constantly be be thinking about a lot of the the things that you do within your team as transactions, like. A hundred percent. And that, uh, am I making a deposit or am I making a withdrawal? And then, and then maybe even like mentally, you got to keep track of that. Like sometimes, yeah, a hundred percent. Like how many, how many deposits have I made and how many withdrawals have I made with this person or at, with this group, within a team, within the team. And what am I going to do to continually make sure that I'm positive? You know what I mean? That I'm, that my bank, my bank account is balanced on the positive side and not on the negative side. Right. Because you don't want to be on the you negative side. You want no overdraft fees for sure. It's funny because my sister, when uh, I was a lot younger, before I became started working, trying to become a manager, she always had this one thing that she taught her kids. It's called a bucket, and it's a similar, it's a similar thing. Are you a bucket filler or are you a bucket dipper? Are you putting water into people's buckets? Are you pouring, you know, your content and love and all these other things into people, or are you taking them out? And for the longest time, I didn't, you know, I was young, I didn't care, I didn't really ca ca capture the concept. And I always always had the fun. I was like, "Yeah, I'm a bucket dipper. Yeah, I'm gonna take all your all your water out." And I didn't realize until you know I started needing needing to learn leadership. I was like, "Oh, now I see why you got to make those deposits. You gotta make, <laughs> take all the water you out. Take all your water. <laughs> just pour it all out of my bucket dipper." And I was and I was so adamant too. And I was kind of like in her face with it. And you know, now of course you know, I told her like, "Yeah, I was kind of stupid." She goes, "Yeah, well, you know, you were uneducated. You didn't know." I'm like, "Yeah, well, life changes, right?" But it's it's the same it's the same concept, you know, and and I think you did a great, you know, job of depicting what it's like. You have to sometimes sit there and you're going to have to take those deposits out. Right. You're going to have to withdraw a little bit of money. But you that's why you build so much in, because every once in a while you're going to have to make a decision that does impact your team negatively. And and we'll get into this next next seg segment different about perception. But a hundred percent, I I do the same with my teammates, with people I mentor. Hey, look, leadership, being a manager, being a supervisor, anybody in that supervisory role is a hundred percent like a, a bank. If I'm gonna make a good action, good, that's money in the bank, money in the bank, and eventually it'll grow and it'll compound, and and you'll build that trust. People will be like, oh, you know what? And you make one mistake, and you know, depending on the context of of that, you're gonna make a withdrawal. But if you know, if you have a hundred hundred dollars in the bank and you only take out five or ten even 50 you made a big mistake you took out half the trust man it's a big big dip but people still trust you mm -hmm. and at the end of the day that's what you that's what you want to do you want to make sure that your team the people that you're leading can trust you obviously we're going to talk about all the different things that you can do to betray trust and how to build trust but one of the things I want to put into context first is as we're as we're talking about this concept of building and and depositing I want you guys to realize it's not just I did something for you and therefore it's a, becomes a deposit. 
one of the big things that you have to understand too is it's called perception. And this is the thing that I have seen be more damaging than even just the, the actual trust factor is the perception. If somebody doesn't trust you, everything that they do is put in a negative light. And there's a little exercise that I did, um, uh, you know, in preparation for this. And it was really, really interesting on, you know, if somebody trusts you versus somebody doesn't trust you. So if, if you're trying to convey trust, right, in, in, these, in these different terms. So the terms I wrote down were concern, checking in, providing feedback, having a conversation, showing interest, goal setting, delegating, and partnership, right? Those are typical things that you would have to do as a manager, in order to to function, right? You're delegating your work, mm -hmm. or you're you're doing a one on one with your employees. You know, doing um, either feedback from a project or whatever. And if you're if you have someone that trusts you, all those things are good, right? But if they don't trust you or they distrust you, the concern can look like spying. Right. I, hey, Matt, uh, hey, I see that you you missed a mark last week. Hey, so what's going on? Right. If you have that distrust, it's not, oh, hey, I have a concern and I'm, I'm worried about you. You're going to perceive it as, hey, he doesn't trust me. He's spying on me. Um, you know, checking in could be micromanaging. I hear that a lot. Well, he's a micromanager. He's a micromanager. Well, how so? That I'm like, well, it's not that he's micromanaging you. He's just checking in. But you perceive it as micromanaging because you don't trust your leader, which is, again, that's the biggest thing is if you don't have trust in your leader, these these are the things that, are, that it's going to look bad. Feedback, big one, right? You always have to give feedback to people, whether good or bad. It could be, you know, 100% constructive, has nothing to do with them personally, but people take things personally. They do. And again, if they have trust in you, they're like, okay, you know, Joe's telling me this because he's trying to build me. Versus if he has distrust, they're going to be like, well, Joe's just trying to make me look bad or he's yelling at me. You know what I mean? It's it's all about the perception people have and and how trust can can make or break a leader. Um, here, I also have a conversation as interrogation. Interest turns into meddling. Goal setting is just orders. And then my favorite one is delegating. Delegating is like, you know, I have a lot of work. We all have a lot of work. And I know that we talked about this, you know, several episodes ago that, hey, you need to learn how to delegate. Hey, Matt, you're really good at this area. I need you to do this project. Man, Joe just dumped a lot of work on me. That's the word I like. I, I thought about that. Like, That's a good word, dumping. You just dumped all your work. This is crap. Why am I doing all Joe's work? Right. And again, it's that perception that trust can or trust or mistrust has um, in your perception. It's so funny, real quick, just on that exact note, is that you could also be the exact opposite with that same exact scenario. You'd never give any of your work. And then the employee is like, why doesn't he trust me to give me, to exactly. give me some of those projects? A hundred percent. And that's why it was like a cool little exercise. Like, you know, let me think about this a little bit better. And like, I think that's one of my favorite things is, is, you know, earning people's trust and stuff like that. So, I mean, I think those are really good examples of like how, how trust can really make you break or make or break you as a leader because people their perceptions perception without knowledge is reality right people see something and that's mm -hmm. what they imagine or already think if they don't sit down like, okay let me ration this out let me think about it let me find some more evidence most people aren't going to sit down and do that it takes too much time and energy and the world's so fast paced right now you know you're it's going to get lost so sometimes we talked about this before is managing perceptions this is a good way to do that, right? Build that trust within your team. And there's different types of trust, right? So we have like 
um, a cognitive trust. You know, um, when we talk about, you know, our leaders, well, is the leader like a guy that only has like a year and a half of experience in and has no education, no training, no certifications, nothing versus somebody who actually has like has tenure, right? They've, they've spent five or 10 years in the system. They've worked in the, in the company for a long time. You know what I mean? It's somebody who's, who's established their knowledge, skills, and abilities in that realm. Um, one of the things that we see, you know, when I worked on the ambulance is you have all these fresh young EMTs and yeah, even though they're, they have the certification, the licensing, they don't know anything. Right. And so this is where it becomes a huge problem where they they think that they have, you know, a higher level of, of cognitive ability than they really, really do. So um, back to if you remember, we talked about that. And when we first started, mm -hmm. it's called the Dunning-Kruger effect. So it's really I think it's, again, a good way to just understand as you're learning how to build trust. The three types of trust cognitive. We have affective. It's like um, um, like emotions. Like, you know, like whenever um, I come to you and I'm having like, let's say an emotional problem, man, I'm just having a rough day and I'm not say a, a shoulder to cry on, but sometimes it, it can be perceived as that, mm -hmm. but I can, I can go and I could tell you, Hey Matt, you know what? I, I'm just, I'm just having a rough time. My kid was up all night and I didn't get much sleep or, I mean, there's a thousand different things that we can go into, but you're not feeling your best. And I tell you, and you're like, oh, you know what? It's okay, Joe. We're fine. You know, we'll we'll make sure we we work around you, and we'll help everybody kind of you know pick up the slack. Obviously, we're not talking about like long term, but you know, we all have lives that happen, and things happen within those lives where you're just like, you know, what? I'm not at my best today. You know, like, can I get some help? And that's the way I best can explain like the effective, like, hey, you're you have that high EQ, emotional mm -hmm. intelligence, you know. And the last one is like a authoritarian. Your your trust is based on your position, right? And um, one of the exercises they they had us do was like, okay, what's the what type of you know um, trust do you think is least effective? And that's that one's for me. If you come back to me and say, oh, I'm the boss or I'm the leader or I'm so and so, I'm like, oh, okay, so not you know if that's the way you approach things, it's hard for me to grant you that because like. For me, that's my group. It's just a position. It doesn't mean anything. Like your position is only temporary. Somebody else is going to fill that position within like five to 10 years. But yeah, though, I, I, when you first said that right now, I was like, why? How could that be a form of trust where anybody would? But then I thought about it for a second. I was like, oh, wait, there is lots of times where we trust people on their position. A hundred percent. Like exactly like you just said, like if I'm going to call an ambulance, I'm going to trust that they know what they're doing because of their position or a firefighter or mm -hmm. whatever, whoever, whatever the thing might be. Because I just at first I was like that sounds stupid, and then I had to think about it for <laughs> a second. Like, Wait a minute, no, I mean it makes perfect sense, especially when you get to the higher levels, right? You you would put more trust in in you should, and I say you word should not not, not definitely not applicable to every single company I've ever worked for, but you should put your trust uh, more trust in your leaders than you do with your subordinates, right? Because you're you're assuming that the people above you are going to take that leadership and they're going to be the ones that, Hey, look, I'm going to take control. I have this under, under control. And we're, you know, we're going to move in the same direction. Mm -hmm. Not always, again, not always. I've worked for companies where the management was the ones that you couldn't trust. And the employees were the ones that you could trust, which is really bad. But typically in most places, right? If you go somewhere, if you're a Karen, who do you always ask for? The manager, right? Oh, yeah. You're supposed to have the trust in the management. The idea is that you're, 
you know, they have the ultimate authority and they make the best decisions, all that kind of stuff. So um, those are the three types, cognitive, affective, and then authoritarian. I like that. I've never like uh, heard the three types before, but it makes sense the, the way they're split up. Yeah, the way that you, you kind of like spread them out and and again trying to find that balance right and that was the thing that kind of like kind of shocked me because i really don't really dwell too much on the authoritarian like hey i'm the boss which in my new role it's completely opposite because everybody sees me as that role and like i'm having kind of like a what is that um uh, imposter syndrome because i've never thought myself to be that super high elevated oh wow you're the manager oh my god you're you're so cool and you like you're shining i'm like bro i'm like i'm still the same person like i'm still down to earth relax i mean yeah i, I handle a lot but it's still the same it's still the same capacity mm-hmm. right nothing's changed about me just my title and that's for me that's really weird cuz like oh wow you're oh you're so important i'm like dude i'm i'm really not i'm just just me like it's not that big of a deal so for me, that's it's really hard for me, and I I want to make sure I don't let it get, get to my head because that's another story, letting your position get to your head and oh, abusing yeah, your power. That's a great way to lose trust. Oh yeah, and I'm sure you've seen it when you see or you promote you know a certain individual, and now they're making more money, and now they have that prestige. You're like, man, I'm making more money. Heck yeah, I'm the boss. I'm the important one. They kind of walk around with their head a little higher, and they start letting that power get to their head, and they start you know dissolving the trust that that they built before. So that can be very dangerous as well. 100%. There's like so many things I was going to cut, cut you off and come in on, but yeah, bro, it's cool. Uh, I, I, let's see, I'll go back to, uh, when you were talking about what's the middle type of trust, it'd be effective. Um, so there's a few things I went through like a really long leadership training, uh, like the last probably like five or six months. And uh, a, a section of it was really based on like this type of stuff. They didn't they didn't say the word trust a lot, right? But it was a lot of things that are like supposed to help you build the relationship and the trust for your employees and for other people within your team. And one of the things that they really hit on there's two things that I wanted to bring up in this episode that they really hit on that I think are pretty cool. And one of them is um, with like what you talked about right now. Somebody, one of your team members or one of your subordinates. I don't like saying the word subordinate. Yeah. But, one of your um, whatever comes up to you with a problem and they talked about really when somebody comes to you, one of the things about being a manager or a leader is people are going to come to you with issues, right? It's going to be common. They're going to be coming to you to talk to you about things that are bothering them, things that aren't right, things that need to get improved. And that's like when you're when you're a leader, that's one of the most opportune times to gain trust. Yes, that's that's one of the times where you can make or break trust very, very easily. And that's one of the times where you can either make a deposit or make a withdrawal. And so when those when those opportunities come up, it's really, really important that they they called it. It won't make it might not make sense the way I say it here, but they called it being out there with the employee. Uh-huh. And what it means is like instead of a lot of times uh, leaders, there's a lot of stuff going on and there's a lot of stuff going on in their head. I don't know if this is how it is for you, but yeah. there's constantly like, yeah, I tons this, of stuff, this, right? Yeah, you got to try to so many things going on in your head. And they said, when somebody comes to you with one of those things, you stop be in the moment, get out of your head and pretend as if like you were like out there with them, out of your head with them, wherever they're at. And like, l- listen, and they and they said that that you want to make the employee or the person feel like you got it. Yeah, they're being heard. Not that you just not that you just heard them or listened to them, but that you understood. Like you yeah, yeah, like you got it. Like you understood 
them. And they said, if you can, if you can get that down, you can master that and you can get out of your own head. Bro, damaging. That is crazy. Yeah. It's a really, it's a really good way to, to, to get those, uh, withdrawals, right? Deposits. 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 My bad. (laughs) He's on the withdrawals, right? My bad. (laughs) It's all good. But anyway, it's like, I, I, for sure myself, one of the things that I used to do and I, I didn't even realize it. Right. So. I'm not, you can't multitask, but I'm really good at, uh, right. at, at disassociating what do they call one it? and working another and yeah, disassociating well, and then There's an another. actual word for me. Oh, task segmenting. Yeah, task so segmenting. So I'm pretty good at task segmenting. So sometimes people would come in to talk to me about stuff and it might not even be important, right? Right. But I'm still going to continue working on my Excel sheet or something. And I, that's one of the things I had to stop, right? So like when somebody comes to talk to me now, I literally like push my stuff to the side. I move away from my screen a little bit. And I want them to know, like, okay, I am my attention. focusing on you right now. What do you got? And it better be, it better be good. Or- <laughs> <laughs> it better be good. Or I'm gonna kick you out of my office. If it's if they start just talking about their week, and I'm like, all right, I'm going back to my, you're like, oh, going back like, to my oh, computer. Coming to waste my time. Oh, it's like that whole, you know, and I, I, I don't know how you how you feel about this whole BS thing, but you know, nowadays that we go out and let's say you're going out with your wife, or you're going out with friends. And you know, you always have the those people like me. I'm I'm one of the biggest ones. I take my cell phone. I put it my my cell phone face down on the table. And some people are like, oh well, oh your the cell phone's more important. I'm like no, I'm putting it face down so that way I'm not going to be distracted. I'm trying to be here. And I, I think you said that you know, kind of very succinctly, be there, be in the moment, be outside of your normal self, and kind of just enjoy. I think I think especially in our society now, that's rare. You know, everywhere you go, people are on their cell phones at a party. You know, we're supposed to be I went to a graduation party. We haven't seen half of these people maybe like more than a year, especially with COVID. And the first thing everybody's doing is everybody's on their cell phones and they're Snapchatting and Facebooking and all this other social media stuff. And it's like this is what this is what we've become. You know, before you would have to kind of interact with your family and your friends and oh, you didn't have this distractions. And mm-hmm. now I think I think that's a perfect example of how an employee can come into you or come to you and and be like, oh, hey, I have a problem. And you kind of, and even though you're listening, again, you're, the perception is that you're not. Yeah, because you can listen and not, you can even like hear what they're saying, like, and understand what they're saying, but not actually show them that you got it. Like A hundred percent. And I've... <laughs> And I've struggled with this. So have I. I think it's just a hard habit to get, like, it's a hard thing to build. What what I've learned, and here's a little cheap trick, is that my wife loves to bother me when I'm playing video games. (laughs) And, of course, I have a headset on. My headset's on. Don't talk to me. And and you would think (laughs) that would be the obvious thing. Like, hey, he's got a headset on. You wouldn't just start coming talking to somebody because there's probably music in there. Or I'm playing video games. I'm, I'm totally focused. Focused on playing whatever I'm playing. You know, Rocket League. Totally focused on that. And then you're going to come into me and ask me a bunch of questions. And I'm just like, okay, hold on. I take my headset off. I put the controller down and I look at her. And I, okay, what is it? And then she tells me probably the most nonsensical thing that has nothing to do with anybody's life. I love you, baby, but good God. <laughs> Sometimes she just goes, she's like, hey, uh, you got a letter in the mail. Um, you bothered me for that? It was, is, is it an important letter? No. So you just came to tell me that there was a letter in the mail. Okay, got it. Sounds good. Thanks, babe. Let's see. I'll be in. I'll be there in a little bit. But taking the time to take the headset off, mm-hmm. like you said, put your stuff to the side. Kind of make it, make it overt. Like, hey, look, I'm putting stuff aside. You have my attention. Mm-hmm. Like, give them those signals. Like, hey, I like how you said it. Make sure it's important. I wouldn't tell them. I that. mean, yeah. I mean, 
don't get me wrong. We've, I'm sure you and I have had, and everybody listening has had their, their moments where like you walked into my office or you came all the way from wherever you came to come tell me that I'm like, okay. Oh, sounds good. All right, cool. Um, but taking that, that extra step of like, okay, let's, let me dissociate from whatever I'm doing and let me give you my full attention. And usually what I do, especially if I'm in my office or I'm around, I usually have paper with me. A lot of times I'll write it down. I'm like, okay, well, you know, is this some, I always try to think of myself, is this something I need to write down? Is it something that important? Or, okay. You know what? This is, I have to do something cool. I'll write this down as an action item within my, within my day or whatever. And I just line it out as I go throughout, but I always tell myself, okay. And I was okay, cool. And then you always, you know, do the whole interacting, ask questions, ask pertinent wise, open-ended questions, all that kind of stuff. Because sometimes you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Hi, right, sounds good. You know, and it kind of gives that 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 perception like you don't care. And mm-hmm. even something as as little as that can be can be a, uh, a withdrawal. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, I he just he just took a nice big withdrawal. Why? Because I came out with my, you know, emotional or whatever issue that I'm having, whatever these three categories. If I'm not if I'm not giving you that time that you're requesting from me, even though it's out of context, and even it has nothing to do. Even if you just got a letter in the mail, that could be a withdrawal. And if enough of those, again, it could be leading to distrust. And now everything you did is now seemed as being negative and bad versus, you know, being good. Yeah. And then one thing to go along with what you're just saying right now is uh, make sure that it kind of goes back also to what you said earlier with perception is that giving them your full attention is important, right? I, I've seen, we have, I've, I've worked with some managers where they'll, they'll, be, they'll do that part good. They'll move away and then, okay, like we're one-on-one right now, we're mm-hmm. gonna have this conversation. But then their body language puts off something else. Uh, like so even though they're sitting there, and, or okay, their eyes good. might move a little bit or they're looking around the room. or So I just wanted to make sure we're, that it, it doesn't even have to be things you say. It could just be things that your yeah. body says yeah. that can show like, okay, this person's not listening to me. Like, why do I care about, like, why should I care about what anything they do? I know exactly what you're talking about. And that's actually a really, really good point. That is a really good point. Sometimes your body language speaks more than your actual language, mm-hmm. right? So yeah, fine. You should always have that feeling that you generally care what they're about to say. Hopefully. Oh, okay. Hold on. Let me put their sign. Okay. What you, what's up? What's going on? Um. Oh, you got a letter in the mail. All right, cool. <laughs> I always go back because it just made me laugh. It's like, if you know, I'm in my office. My office is in my garage, and I'm you know I'm doing like paperwork, whatever. And she's, hey babe, what? Uh, you had a letter in the mail. Oh, what is it? Oh, it's just it's just junk. It's like the advertisement from a grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I like those. Those are good. And I'm like, oh, look at those steaks. Oh man! All right, let me uh, before I forget. Here's the other one. Hopefully, I don't get in trouble for like copyrighted material or something. All but right. I'm not saying we're. Uh, what is that? A, a warning? Some kind of a copyright warning? <laughs> yeah, we get like a strike or something. I don't yeah. Know. Um. It is. Oh, so another thing that leaders uh, have to deal with a lot is forms of confrontation, right? And, Ugh, I, and you kind of fun. I mean, not not always negative confrontation, but a lot of the things that you listed earlier on your list, like, uh, could be perceived as forms of conver- con- uh, yeah, confrontation 100 percent. and so uh when when anytime that there's uh especially like let's say feedback so when you're giving feedback sometimes the employee could perceive that as like confrontational because it's a negative feedback for them so uh anytime that you're in a confrontation as a leader there's two things that they that they always talk about or that they talked about in the training that i thought were really cool and it's um what is the cost of this confrontation to you and what yes. is the payoff? Yeah. And, and uh, you got to figure out like the, not the cost, like deposit and withdrawal, but like 
you you uh, enga- engaging into this conversation, into this like argument, pretty much like yes. you getting into this. What is it? What could it potentially cost you? Could it cost you trust? Could it cost you the relationship? Could it cost you time, anxiety? Could it cost you like all the like? There's this list of things that you can yeah. look at, and then what's the payoff of you winning this confrontation? And is it worth it? So like, is it just so that you could say that you won? Is it like you show your superiority? Is yeah. it so that you can whatever? Like, there's a list of things. So I thought it was pretty cool to think about like when you're in a confrontation, like is it worth it? Is really what it's saying. Like, what is the cost? What is the potential cost? And what is the potential payoff? And is it worth it for you to be right in this situation? Or is it more worth it for you to be wrong, not for your own ego, but like, you know, just to be for, for the for the betterment of the team. Right. So I don't know. It's probably kind of hard to explain here, but I let me let me add another okay. a, another concept. And I I apologize. because I should have I thought about this after we, we did this episode. And I was like, man, I didn't even introduce this whole topic. And I, I was like super adamant. I was like, I'm like, I'm going to do it. So I've, I've been starting to try to write my notes down a little bit mm-hmm. better so I can kind of follow the notes because it's a lot, especially, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on right now. Um, something what you were just, what you were talking about something is called a I mean it's a decision right and we talked about decision making before and what I want to kind of introduce now is something called a, a door right a decision is a door a what door, do you mean a door like a, a doorway d o o r a d o o r is there other types of doors I, I wasn't like sure if you were saying groups? a door a d o r e oh. A like, door. What's it? Oh, a door. I was like, "What's?" You were uh, saying a door. I was thinking it's a space. Door. What's a door? But you were saying a door like quickly together. Like, I door. love you. Adore you. I adore you. I adore you. No, a, a decision is a doorway. Think of it like, um, obviously, there's two types of doors. There's like what, three or four, but for most of us, there's two types of doors. You have a two way door, and you have a one way door. Right? You go to the grocery store. You go through a two way door. Right. You go in and you can easily go back versus, you know, if you go through a fire exit, it's a one way door. Once you open that door and the door closes, you can't go back back in through that door. And what you're what you're describing here is that decision. Okay, is this a one way door or two way door? Obviously, the two way door is more of like a a less impactful um, type of a decision. Hey, um, am I going to have eggs for breakfast or am I going to have um, pancakes? You, okay, I'm going to have, I'm going to have eggs. Cool. That's a, that's a two-way door decision. Super easy. There's very little cost. If I make a mistake, I can always revert back to the pancakes, right? Hey, I went to the fridge. There's no <laughs> eggs. Ah, dang it. I can't do, I can't go with eggs. Let's go with pancakes, right? It's easy, easy decision. Um, versus like a one-way door is once that decision is made, then guess what? Now, now you're going to have to suffer the consequences. You can't, undo those actions it's like i don't know if you remember if you've seen these memes you know the teachers kind of putting the whole like every kid in the in the school gets like a little um uh, a tube of of uh, of toothpaste right and they say hey squirt it all over the paper and the kids make a big old mess oh my god yeah that's awesome and then the teacher after they're done making the huge mess okay they'll put all that toothpaste back in and they're like we can't and they said that that's how words are once you say something that it's out there you can't take it back oh i was like where's this going you've never never seen that before yeah it's like a whole like exercise for these kids to understand and they're supposed they're the way that they put the light on it it's like the way that they treat each other right if you say something mean or if you do something mean those are things that you can't take back kind of the same concept as the one-way doors like you were saying if if you're going to engage with an employee you kind of have to weigh the pros and cons and think about okay if i engage in this conversation um depending on where it goes and escalates is this beneficial and can i pull back from it 
right? Can I just go, hey, here's your negative review. I don't care. Done. You know, that's that's obviously a one way door versus like, hey, let's let's have a conversation. And depending on your relationship with your with your individual, it could be a one way or a two way door. You're like, hey, you know what? I have you know, I have some hard stuff to do. But if you look at your your balance, you're like, man, I've I've put nothing but deposits into this person. I feel like they're going to take it well. Cool. And, you know, yeah, you have to you have to, you know, levy some hard information like, hey, look, you didn't meet your your criteria, your your slacking, you know, let's get you on a plan to get you better versus like, hey, one way door. Yeah, you're not doing well and all that kind of stuff. So I think that's again, I, I apologize. That was a concept that I had, you know, when we were talking about I was like, man, I didn't I didn't write it down. So I didn't think about it. But when you're making these big decisions, you always think like, OK, you know, I guess they, they tell you like on a pain scale. How painful would it be for you to revert back to the way it was before, right? Like I said, the eggs, easy. Oh, I'm going to go get eggs. Oh, man, I don't have eggs. Cool. So I'll just go back to pancakes. Cool. It's it's easy. I'm not like, oh, God, this is so painful. Versus if I go out there and, you know, I give a really, really bad, you know, review. And I obviously that damage is done. I can't undo it. I mean, I can eventually you know, numb it. If I put enough, you know, deposits in the bank, that huge de- uh, withdrawal that I took, eventually I'll get back to where it was. You know, if I, if I, you know, am adamant about putting, putting enough um, deposit into that person. But for the most part, when you do those huge decisions, you, like you said, you have to kind of weigh like, is this, is this worthwhile? What's the point? What's the cost, you know, benefit analysis, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what, what am I, what am I going to get for the, conversation argument you know confrontation I like the word you said confrontation because sometimes you're gonna you're gonna get that some people are gonna be like you know what i don't feel like and i've i've, I've had this before where i gave somebody a i wouldn't say a negative but a less than stellar review mm-hmm. and they're like well i did this i did this 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 and this and i was like well obviously we need to work on our communications because i didn't know any of those things you need to you know if, if you want to if you want the praise i need to know about it you know, and that's the one thing as I tell people all the time, and we talked about this before again, is that if you're going to be, you know, working with your manager, you should be telling them, hey, I, I got this going on. I got this. You, there should be that open communication. And if you, you don't have that communication, there might be there might be a trust issue. It might could be something else. It could be that you guys are busy and you guys are in completely different areas or the mm-hmm. technology or whatever. But always have the open communication. You know, I, I like the the conversation we had before where your employees have been trained and they know that whenever they miss or mis- make a mistake or whatever happens, they immediately elevate it to you. Right. Hey, guys, you're, you're going to miss your marks, your, your metrics, um, whatever it is. Let me know immediately. Why? Because then what's going to happen is once you miss it, my boss is going to be like, how can we miss this? Mm-hmm. He's not going to be doing that. Nope. I'm going to tell him, hey, just to let you know. We didn't get all of our JSAs That's a this week. Way better conversation. <laughs> Why not? Well, because X, Y, Z. Awesome. Okay, great. That way, if if he needs to elevate it to his manager, and so on, so on, and so forth. Why is this metric like this? Oh yeah, because X, Y, Z. Awesome. That shows initiative. That shows caring, and it shows open communication and trust. And I think you did a great job of kind of explaining that. Sometimes those conversations do open up your like your your investigation like why why are we having this problem where you're not communicating with me and I'm not communicating with you 
Is it because of trust? Is it because, you know, somewhere in the trust is broken? Is it technology? I mean, because sometimes it's technology. Mm-hmm. Or maybe we're just so busy in our own areas, we forget. Like, yeah. hey, we need to consider each other and have the open line of communication. Yep. That's really easy to do. One quick trick on that is I think make sure you have some structure between you and your whatever subordinates or team members that yes. says like, even if we don't communicate in these few days, there's going to be a time set aside where we at least touch base, try to touch base. And yeah. These, these once a week, Cause it's real easy to get caught up and lose track of time. Oh, bro, like, it's dang. I haven't talked to him in five days, which I don't know. That might not be long for some people, or that might be really long for some people. Like I usually talk to my, when I had my, like my bigger team, I was almost talking to, I was talking to them almost every single day, at least at one point during the day. Yeah. If not every other day at the latest, even though we were like spread out across the state. Yeah. All over the place. I at least had some small type of check and like, Hey, how's it going today? Anything crazy going on? Something like that. Anyways, one other thing I wanted to kind of get your, uh, <clears throat> your opinion on was I had this issue in the past where I brought a, a field guy up to like a mid level, like, like exactly like, like what we're talking about, yeah. like a supervisory level. And one of the problems that they they dealt with in this like realm was that if an employee or another team member made a withdrawal to them, like like they like uh, my new supervisor lost some of the faith or some of the trust in, in another person, um, they would make sure that that person knew that every time they saw them, like so, so like so it's wait, like they, the not, the supervisor took a withdrawal from that individual. So like I'll, I'll put it this way: like let's say I took a withdrawal from you. Okay. Now the next time, and I'm an employee. The next time you come and engage with me. You act like as though you uh, I, like you know I took a withdrawal from you. So you act like uh, different around me because you don't trust me anymore. So now you're like being more strict. Or do you think that like as a supervisor you should be able to wipe the slate clean and act as if nothing happened and give them another chance over and over uh, at some point? Or like do you think that you should continue to allow like that to be seen? I'm trying to. Well, explain no, I, I know, I know. Like you're playing devil's advocate because I can see you struggling with. <laughs> you know the answer, but you're struggling with it. And I think, I think you're. I think it's. I think you're onto the the real the real thing. Help me out here, Joe. Explain it better for me. So <laughs> yes, so a uh, line employee takes a deposit from the supervisor. Yeah. The supervisor holds that grudge. Whatever that that trust is lost, yes, and and now they're going to um they're going to treat that individual or even that team differently. So let's say it's the first time, right? When the supervisor goes back to visit them the next time, should they wipe the slate clean and act like it didn't happen? Treat them and give them a a, a whole new chance, like okay, you're at zero right now, or do they treat them like as if you know a withdrawal was made? Well, I mean, in as a supervisor, you have to. You, you have know, to what? You have to you have to give them the clean slate. Tabula okay. rasa. You can't wait. You what? Can't, tabula rasa means clean slate. <laughs> is that what is that Spanish? Uh, I think it's Latin. Latin. Yeah. You remember that was like, that was psychology. Maybe we got you haven't gotten there yet. But tabula rasa is the idea that as you're born you have a clean slate. Mm. And that yeah, it's it's this whole thing. Anyway, that you as a supervisor you have to right. You, you, I'm <laughs> we both know people that don't. And that's what makes a bad supervisor. But at the end of the day is it could be for a thousand reasons. I know people that that were mad at me because I became a supervisor. I know other supervisors that were mad at me because I became a supervisor and they thought I was taking their job. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. And and I was like that. I was like, okay, well, this other supervisor 
took a dig at me and, and took a big deposit out and I held a grudge against him. And so me and him, we just kept butting heads, butting heads, butting heads. And it wasn't until I asked one of my, my good friends, I said, hey, man, I'm, I'm just at an impasse with this guy. What's going on? And that's when they introduced me to this book. Um, uh, I forgot what the book is called. It's one of those like long, long names. Um, actually, I, I have it at home, so I'll have to go look at it again. But it's essentially I put him in this box. Right. I said, hey, I labeled you as this. You're my enemy. We can't be friends. And every time me and him ever were, I would say we were near each other because it wasn't like we were fist fighting, but, you know, we were always taking digs at each other. There was a lot of tension. There was a lot of tension. There's no trust between him and I. Um, and, you know, this is really on my early on in my supervisory career. And I asked this guy, hey, I'm, I'm having trouble. He goes, look at this book. You know, and it kind of it was like one of the first actual books I read about leadership and learning how to reframe my perceptions. And I realized it wasn't him because I can't control that individual. Right. I can't control that subordinate who's going to start taking digs at me. All I can do is I can react in a way that shows him that it doesn't bother me. And what ended up happening is I, I pulled him aside one day and I said, you know, after a long, long thinking and writing things down and and trying to reframe my perspective in you know within the context of the book it really helped me sit him down and say hey look man i i want to apologize i put all the blame on myself i said look i acted inappropriately i acted stupidly i acted like a child and and that was the one thing i've learned in life is if you can put all the blame on you they have nothing to say they're like you know it's like that whole eminem where he's all like oh yeah my mom does this and yeah my homie got shot himself and he goes okay tell them something about you that they don't know and he's like uh Oh, that I have nothing else. You know, when you take that power from them, they're like, um, okay. I mean, they can still hate you, but once they realize that you don't care and that you're gonna you're gonna do whatever is best to move the company forward, that's what's gonna help you promote it to that management position. People are gonna see, okay, you know what? Sometimes you're gonna have those guys. You're gonna have those people that come in and they're always gonna either try to um whittle away your foundation or, you know, I'd say corrupt or poison your your team or your your um your culture but they're going to undermine your authority you know and at some point that it does become a problem and that's when you have to mimo manage in manage out you say hey look we can't have you be doing this and then start documenting mm -hmm. you know and it sucks to have to do that but at the end of the day it's a business we're here we're not here to be friends we're here to move the the company in the same direction we talk about the oars moving everybody in the same direction and if you're not going to do that then that's that that's your choice. I always tell people, I've never fired one person. I've terminated, quote unquote, terminated 20, 35, somewhere on there, quite a bit. And every single time, not every single time, I'd say about the majority, 95% of the time, they're like, Joe, it's your fault. Yeah, yeah, Oh, he did it on purpose. Oh, he blamed me. Like, I, I, I said, look, stop. I want to show you. We talked about this here. We talked about it there. We talked about it here. We gave you a plan. We did all these things, right? And I want to make sure like, I'm putting it on them. We talked about this, right? And I have a record. We have perfect documentation. It says everything started here. Nothing changed. We tried it again. We tried it again. There's like five or six things here. I've done everything I can. I've given you all the tools that you possibly could have. I even asked you, is there anything else I can give you that will help you do well in your position? This was your decision. You can say whatever you want. You can tell everybody what you want, but I'm going to tell them opposite. No, we put you guys on the plan. I try to make sure I'm fair and equal and um, um, honest and upfront with everything. I don't want to fire you. It's not my. It's not my thing. I, I, for me, it's sad because I've been fired myself, and it doesn't feel good. Now you have to worry about your bills and all this other stuff, and you have to come home to the wife. That's not fun. 
at the end of the day, I say, hey, I gave you a chance. I mean, if I'm doing layoffs, it's, it's a completely different, different story. Yeah. But at the end of the day, as a supervisor, you have to you have to learn how to disassociate from that. Does it happen? No. Uh, like I said, I was a supervisor. I would say it took me about four or five months before I kind of figured it out. Me and this guy. And, it, and I would say it's kind of sad. It really did disrupt the team. It was like mommy and daddy fighting all the time because we would literally split the team. We were supposed to be, you know, in safety and we're helping each other and we're saving lives and all this other stuff. But me and mommy and daddy were always fighting. And so the kids were like, holy cow. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine what that was like. And I feel bad. Luckily, a couple of the people that I was working that were working underneath me were still good friends. And we kind of laugh about it now. I said, yeah, but, you know, that was a huge mistake that I made. And I should never have put you guys in that, that thing to make you choose, well, should it be Joe or should it be this guy? That's not, that's not how it works. We're, we're under this company. We should be working for the company. Right. And I know the team are like, well, you're a company man. I'm like, I'm not, but at the end of the day, it's the company pays my bills and the company pays your bills. If the company goes under, who's going to pay your bills. Right. As a supervisor, you have to give that clean slate. Hey, yeah, he took a big dig. If, if it comes, if it becomes a problem, like we talked about before, then yeah. start managing it. That's one thing. Yeah. Yeah. Start, start documenting the stuff why a lot of times what I've, what I've learned in my lifetime is when people learn that you're documenting things for the most part they figure it out oh okay i shouldn't mess with that person i have some clients that i've worked with and they document everything and the company decided they're going to go at them for it and i'm like ooh, that's never never go at somebody who documents everything because when it comes to court those documents are going to come out and they're like oh Oh yeah, that was yeah, yeah. And then when they're reading it out loud, it doesn't sound good. So I think for your for your specific example, a hundred percent. If if your subordinate or somebody underneath you is is taking large deposits, you need to address that. You say, hey, look, I know that you're doing this, this, and this. We we can't be having that. Have that conversation with your manager. Hey, I just want to let you know. I mean, of course, I can't explain for every situation. Yeah. If you're working for me or you're working for Matt, we're gonna handle it. Hey. We'll tell you, hey, this is how you should manage it. This mm -hmm. is how you should handle it. Start, start doing it. And if things don't improve, then you got to do what you got to do. Yep. Some other companies are like, we don't care. And I've worked for those and it's frustrating. And I think at the end of the day, I mean, if you have no no other recourse, then, you know, find another another place of business. It sucks, but life. that's that's life, you know, especially nowadays. I'll be honest with you. A lot of companies are a dime a dozen. You know, uh, it's a good economy. It's, it's a bad place. It's a, it's a bad time to have a bad culture. Because people are gonna just, you know, abandon you. I've no, I know a company right now that's lost five or six people within the organization, and they had fifteen people. You know, it's not a very big company, but five or six people left, left within the past six months. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of turnover. So, I think that's a, that's a great example, actually, a really, really good example of how 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 to manage it on the other side. You know, when people are taking deposits from you. Yeah. Sometimes having that conversation, like, hey, man, you know, and you could say it in, in the frame, in the context of the deposit versus the withdrawals. But at the end of the day, you have to have that conversation. Yep. You can only control what you do. You yep. can't control what other people do. Yeah, you really like uh, your your whole scenario was kind of close to the, the scenario scenario like I was thinking of. So you did a good job of kind of explaining what I was <laughs> what you were trying trouble. to get out. Yeah, I was kind of confused. I'm like, wait, who's who's taking the deposit? Yeah. Yeah, I just I was just saying like if people are taking deposits from you, make sure that you're able to be the bigger man. It's kind of like how you said it, like make sure that not always. I guess that's one way to say it, but yeah. Frame it, put it in the the a different perspective. 
um, like I said, when you put somebody in that, and like I said, the the um, the book was putting people in a box, and you know when you do that, that's when you you don't have any type of relationship. You you close them off. Mm -hmm. You said you're you're gonna be over here in this box, and I'm not gonna deal with you. But at the end of the day, they're they're gonna be a part of your success mm -hmm. most most of the time. Not all the time. I mean, it, there's a lot of different things. It could be let's say you're working in retail and it's a customer. Not every single customer matters. Yeah. Right. Sorry, it's the reality. The ones, only ones that matter are the Karens. The Karens are the only ones that matter because those are the ones that are going to call your boss. Like, ah, I want to talk to your manager. I'm like, oh, God. What else we got for this one? Um, So uh, we're talking about having a balance. You know, I've seen it both ways. You see the, you know, the, the boss is hard, right? Oh, I'm gonna, I want to micromanage. I want to make sure everybody does everything my way. And there's a lot of ways that, you know, leadership can can evolve, right? It could be, depend on their, their education, their training. It could be their experience. I know a lot of people go in one way because they, they try to be the nice guy. They get stopped on, uh, stepped on all over. And then, they're like, okay, well, now I have to be the hard, I have to be the hard guy. Um, and then opposite too, I was too hard. People didn't like me. Now I'm too soft. So it's just learning how to have that balance of like, hey, I care. But at the end of the day, we, you know, we... I have to take, take away the motion. Like, look, this is what has to get done. You know, I always tell people expectations are your best friend. If you sit there and you, you let, tell them like, Hey, this is what we're, we're, we're requiring from you. These are the expectations. We need you to meet them. If you can't let me know, obviously, you know, if it's just because, Hey, I'm off work or whatever reason, right. If it's a legitimate reason, then we're good, but don't just be like, Oh, well, he said that he wasn't going to make it. Well, why not? I don't know. You know, don't don't be too far to the left and saying, oh, well, you know, we're we're happy feeling. We want the team to be good because I've seen it where we've had a soft manager and he didn't want to deal with any confrontation. He didn't want to take any lead whenever somebody brought something. Oh, that's great. idea! oh, my God, just go go ahead and do it. And that becomes really bad because you're stepping all over your leader and they're not really leading at that point versus the other way is they're like, oh, I want it my way and I don't care. And that stifles creation and all that stuff. So if you have a, a list of expectations you have something that's going to give you a foundation. This is what I expect. This is how it needs to be done. X, Y, Z. When people miss the mark, you can say, hey, you know, I noticed that you missed the mark and you kind of just give them that coaching. And it's not personal. Like, hey, just make sure you do it this way though. Okay, cool. And obviously if it becomes a problem, then then you have to address it that way. But as long as you create the, the expectation, be fully detailed. Like, hey, I want these metrics. I want 10 JSAs. I want so many injuries i want this this and this when you guys do you know an accident investigation i want a full detailed report or hey you know one of my favorite things that i know that some some managers get really picky on is i want the detail you know the 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 basic summary i want it just to be a basic summary and then when it goes into you know your narrative your narrative needs to be like eight pages long okay i, I get that it's just but make sure that Good you point. you will i mean not eight pages but i mean have that expectation say look this is the kind of quality i want this is the timeliness that i wanted in if you can't make it let me know obviously have a good reason like oh yeah i'm okay my my 10 jsa's this week why um i just didn't feel like it oh really you didn't feel like coming to work today huh okay <laughs> that must be fine i mean there may be some other underlying things that i mean my wife are going through a divorce or you know my kid was sick there's some there's some leeway there that's where the EQ comes in, but don't let them just be like, okay, well, you know, if, if, if you let it slide, then guess what? Your metrics move. It's no longer 10 JSAs. It's six JSAs, seven JSAs. 
whatever, whatever the metric is. You as the leader set the metrics. Typically, if you're a manager, it's your manager and your <laughs> senior manager and your director. That's the person that sets the metrics, mm-hmm. right? And then they're going to hold you accountable to it. Make sure you hold your people accountable. Don't let them just walk over. You set the foundation. It's easier to go off the foundation. You say, look, this is what we have to do. Why? Because this is what they said. This is what we want. This is what the customer wants. This is what the director wants. This is what we have to do. If you can't make it, we can, there's some wiggle room. Hey, you know what? Yeah. One of my people were gone for like a day or two. Why? Because their kid was sick or whatever. Okay, cool. We understand that versus like, oh, hey, what's going on? Again, we talk about the communication. Why, why aren't your metrics on? Oh, uh, let me go find out. We mean you go find out. It is way too late now. That's not good. That is not. That is a. That's not a meeting you want to be in as a manager. <laughs> and let me tell you this. And, and check this out. And this is this is why it works so well. So we talked about cognitive, right? Your ability to do stuff. If you are the mid-level manager, or you're the the lower, you know, field employee. And your supervisor or manager comes up to you and goes, hey, how come this metric is like this? Management was asking me X, Y, Z, and they have the answer and you don't? That looks bad on you. Mm-hmm. That is undermining the trust that they have in you. Well, how come you don't know? You're the manager. You're the supervisor. You should know this stuff. One of my favorite ones is, let's say, you know, you have so many trainings to do. That's always a big one, right? Trainings, trainings, trainings. Hey, Matt, how come how come we're we're really low on trainings this week? Oh, well, you know, the other two people that I had with me that usually do the job, um, they're gone. You know, they're on vacation or they're on this or they're on that. Okay. And so I have to go and I have to pick up their slack, right? So I have to go out and do do field audits with their people and I have to go do whatever other task that that they usually normally do. Mm-hmm. I have to take that space up. My question is, how come you didn't realize that? You knew they were gone. You knew that we were short-staffed. How come you didn't expect to see this happen? That, for me, and I've seen it a lot of times, that undermines the trust people have in you. They're they're thinking, like, this guy is not competent. They don't know what the hell they're doing. Sometimes that's even more damaging than than anything else. Like, man, this guy, does he even know what he's doing? Okay. So that whole thing where, you know, we were just talking about, it can uh, completely undermine your trust. Mm -hmm. And then... Once that seed is sowed, guess what? People are going to start looking for it. Huh. I never noticed that before. Oh, man. Matt, Matt didn't even know about this. Matt, Matt didn't even know about that. Matt, who are you sure you're the manager? Mm-hmm. Is this, or, or, you know, we can talk about a thousand different things, policies or customers, whatever. If you don't know that, that that shows that you, you're not competent in your job. And people start like, oh, well, he's, I don't know if he's, he's fit for this job. That could be more damaging as well. Um, that's another reason why I put so much emphasis on that having a degree. Um, anyway, that has nothing, I mean, that was, that's a, that was a good, that was a good uh, withdrawal on Matt's trust in me. <clears throat> yeah. You're, you're already like way negative. So I don't think, I don't think <laughs> um, you'll, ever, you'll never be back in the positive. Uh, might as well go through bankruptcy, huh? <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Is that a thing in trust? Yeah. Bankruptcy? Can I have a bankruptcy in trust chapter and start, start back to zero? No, every seven years? No, it's not how it works. Um, so yeah, I think I think that's it for me. Um, I mean, I'm sure we could sit here and talk about it all day, but I think that's a that's a good solid foundation on how getting how getting people's trust in you is so important and and why it's so important to make sure you have that kind of concept. Like, hey, am I giving a deposit or am I giving a withdrawal? Kind of like at the end of the day, that's you know the bare bones. That's the easiest way to think about it. Real quick, 
honestly, like we've had, we had a similar conversation in entry level and it doesn't matter what level you're at. No, you, this is something that as a leader, you're going to have to do to Even, the people below remember, you, the people about it as above a safety you. professional. Mm -hmm. If you're, if your operations, people can't trust you. That's a huge issue. Uh, and of course we talk about as, as the higher you go, you, the the more cracks begin to show mm -hmm. so yeah 100 even as an uh, entry-level employee it means it means a lot trust yeah. trust and safety i i would say i mean ops not I'm, i hate to bash on my ops people but there's people out there that that care more about the work i don't care if people get hurt as long as the work gets done okay I, we know that those type of people but in safety you can't have that mentality because once people don't trust safety dude people your 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 incidents are going to go up your injuries are going to go up People start questioning your competency. Hey, how, how come you, how come we can't control this? Oh well, because my team can't develop trust within the field. Our our ops people don't trust the safety people. Why? Well, X Y Z. They do this or they do that. It's huge. So yeah, it's a it's a really good topic. So I hope we're gonna have some really good more conversations just like this. That's why like me and me and Matt been waiting for this mid level safety supervisor manager position for a while we're like come on let's get to the meat and potatoes cool small like potatoes it. small potatoes all right well thank you everybody don't forget follow us on instagram at the popular safety guys on reddit and some of the forums you are the popular safety guy on facebook at the culture of safety you can email us at the culture of safety, safety at gmail.com gmail. yep. and thank you guys for listening yeah yeah have a good one